Hi, podcasting from New York. They say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. This is Pushing Boundaries. Most of today's commentary on complex social issues is binary, unproductive, and flat-out lazy. With this podcast, I'm looking to hopefully elevate these conversations, and as a lifelong educator, hopefully learn a few things along with you. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to another episode on Pushing Boundaries. Topic for today is post-COVID, privacy in a pandemic. So the conversation happened, conversation is happening uh, in Brussels, Washington, D.C., Sacramento, and China. And the whole conversation is about how much privacy is um, too much privacy or uh, uh, should there be any kind of privacy. COVID has raised things, uh, raised the questions and challenged the notion of privacy um, today because um, in China, one of the, the most effective measures in terms of addressing COVID was that they... There was no privacy and everyone was tracked and through their tracking, they were able to detect the source of the uh, the virus and they could determine who was in touch with it, uh, who was in contact with it, where the person moved or locations. And they were able to uh, sanitize those locations and also um, implement a quarantine in specific areas in Asian countries. And so that's that's where privacy, uh, the lack of privacy um, was a benefit. Um, so countries now looking at um, Asia's policy of reducing uh, COVID extremely rapidly um, are looking at reevaluating privacy standards, right? Um, this is an article that was taken from um, David Meyer from Fortune Magazine, May uh, 2020 issue. And the, the topic of the article is called Privacy in a Pandemic. A lot of interesting things in this article. And I thought that, you know, I'd like to share this with you. So pre-COVID, um, there was a lot of data being collected by many companies and there was no regulation for how they collected data. So one of the, one of the, the ways that they collected data was through online advertisements, right? And so that means every time that you shop or you visit a website and you show interest, the, the, uh, the, the browser or the online advertisement is tracking uh, what your interests are, and every time that you visit a different site or alternative sites or anywhere else that has no relation to that, that advertising will pop up online. And so it's like sort of like a it's it's part of artificial intelligence. What it does is it's learning your behavior in terms of what you're interested in and shopping, and then matching it to um, the the web the website that you're visiting. And so it doesn't matter what website you visit. This online tracking tool is. Uh, constantly uh, displaying things that you show interest in in the hopes that you purchase right then there's something called the ad tech the ability to track users and, and this this uh, uh, this uh, app what it does is it's it's controlled actually through your blue blue chip in your phone your Bluetooth in your phone and so it doesn't matter where you go within a store if you go in a section of a store and especially those stores that are well labeled uh, you can go into a section of a store and the store can pick up what you're interested in or what you're looking at. And so you can go, for instance, you can go into Macy's and you could be in a women's shoe section. Um, Macy's can tell that you're in a women's shoe section, right? And, you know, often people say, oh my God, you know, I just visited this store and all of a sudden it's popping up on my phone. Well, that's what the the, uh, the ad tech is doing. It's tracking your movement within uh, 
locations that you shop. And what it does is it, it tracks you to very specific locations within the store and makes a match in terms of what you're looking at. And then it begins to connect with the online advertising and you begin to see that at every website you visit, you begin to see the things that you show interest in during that day. And so people were complaining about that and they said, listen, you know, this is crazy, you know, I'm moving around and I want to move around kind of like without no people knowing where I am. And I want to engage products and, and services without it being uh, shown to me the next day, a uh, push back in my face. And it became a little disturbing that people began to, there was a track record. So you can go to a store and, they, and you can just say, pull up the record and say, hey, you know, I want to return this item and say, oh, you've been a customer with us since uh, 2008. Wow, how did you know that? And you've purchased, and they have a long list of things that you purchased and that's purchased. And that's pretty surprising because you never gave permission for anyone to track that data or to track the UN connection to that data. Um, and it is personal because it gives, it gives a profile of your interest, right? And some, some of those things are personal. Some people don't care about that and other people do, but you, you know, having the choice to decide if you want that tracking to happen or not, um, was not in place or, or is not in place right now. Okay. So the benefits of tracking door COVID was really evident in, um, Asian companies, right? Asian, Asian company, not companies, countries, right? Um, so with the COVID, this COVID pandemic there, it's absent of vaccine or effective of treatment. And so one of the things that you do is how do you track it? Right. Um, it goes, it flies in the face of many privacy laws, which we're going to talk about later. And it became very public. Right. And so, you know, things that once were protected in terms of, you know, you, when, if you had HIV or you had, uh, herpes or you had some sort of illness, it was up to you to share that information. That was personal information. But if you notice with COVID, COVID, um, which was, you know, different was that people began to announce that they had COVID, which is voluntary. That's that's great. But then papers also began to announce who had um, COVID. And that was strange because, you know, no one gave that permission. It was, it was kind of strange that I, I saw leaders in the public sector and in the private sector uh, being exposed for having COVID. And, um, you know, that definitely flies in the face, face of something called uh, HIPAA. And we'll talk about that. And so it also flies in the face of America's ideals of liberty, right? And in, in having your personal information remain personal, especially your health information. Um, and because COVID was so early in um, our knowledge base, you know, people were afraid and people are still afraid. And so if you label somebody have, has, as having COVID, you know, what's the response to the people around them, right? How do people feel about that? You know, are they ostracized? Are they alienated? And so um, we definitely have to rethink this and pay attention to, you know, this 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 pandemic and how it's um, definitely violated people's privacy in, in terms of health care. Um, but in terms of the benefits of, of no privacy behind this is that countries like Asian countries have uh, sanctioned uh, Bluetooth signals, right? And... What they do is they, they, they in, in, in fact, in Singapore, they have an app called Trace Together. And this Trace Together app uses Bluetooth signals to establish past proximity between COVID-19 sufferers and those around them. So any movement that you made during a day is sort of like a, a GPS that's uh, programmed into your phone. And so anywhere that you move, that that is being recorded. And so it can, you know, so if you move from just, just take it, just, just think for a moment. If you thought about yesterday, just think about yesterday. Where did you travel yesterday when you woke up? When, once you left the house, how many stops did you make and where did you end up? 
how many people did you interact with? Well, in Asian countries, this Bluetooth signal is, is captured and recorded. And so wherever you move, they know where you are. And so what they were able to do is they were able to, to trace together your movements and anyone's movement that may have suffered with COVID or be potentially been in contact with someone that's suffering with COVID. And they were able to go back into those spaces, sanitize them, locate you, right? And, and alert you that, you know, you may, you, you may, you need, you may need to get tested and that you, you've come into contact with um, COVID and they would put you under a, a quarantine. And so that was just automatic. Um, and, but in Asian countries, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you have to understand that the ideology there is very different, right? We're talking about a communist country and we're talking about um, a system of thinking that there is no privacy and, and uh, the benefit of the people is the benefit of the government, right? And so um, diff very different um, policy there. And so the reason the results of track and trace, it can monitor shifting patterns of movement to indicate how best to impose or lift restrictions. And so they, they use this information. So once they got the record, they, pushed, they put this policy in play, right? Impose or lifting restrictions. Right. Shifting patterns of moments, movement based on people. All right. They've also been alert to alert, able to alert individuals whose infection might need to be communicated to those who have recently crossed their paths. And so I just said that. And so that that's the reason for the benefits of tracking and tracing. OK. Now, the big question is. The big question is what's personal? Now, the question isn't if government and their corporate partners should be able to monitor the health of individuals, but rather how much, in what manner, and under what regulatory restrictions. So right now, it's all out, you know, um, right now it's all out uh, uh, tracking and collection of personal information. Uh, this was something that was uh, spoken spoken about with the WikiLeaks founder and all, I mean, it's been an ongoing um, battle with the government in terms of what's private and what's not private, right? What's confidential and what's and what's not confidential? Because on, on one on one end, there are many confidential things that are that are government based, right, and that you can't know about, that people can't know about. But at the other end, there there are things that people want uh, to have in confidence, right, and they want that to be um, kept secret or, or personal, um, and. You know, what's to suggest when when uh, uh, people's information can be abused or manipulated to move an agenda. Right. And so um, you could imagine if companies, you know, a company that you work for had your entire profile in terms of how you moved. They tracked your movement. They tracked your interests, how you buy, you know, things you say, you know, things you may say into your phone that is captured and also um, uh, begin to uh, uh, develop a behavioral pattern for you. You know, those things, uh, when, they're, when they're given to people of, of power and that you may be uh, connected to, could work out very bad for you or could work out very good. Um, it, it takes into place a lot of things like biases, right? You know, do you fit, you know, the mold that they want? Um, and we know that all of us, when we enter the world of work, we adapt, right? So it's not absolutely who we want to be. Uh, it may be where we want to be. But we adapt and we we uh, adjust and, and um, engage the environment as best we can in a collaborative way. And so, but if things are just outright, you know, evident in terms of your profile, then maybe we're not living in those environments with 
tolerance and collaboration and community and our intent may not be right. All right. So what are we doing? What is the U.S. doing? So the U.S., there, there are two. There, see, now with the COVID there, you know, before this, there were the U.S. was actually engaged in a process of, you know, trying to build uh, regulations and policies that would limit what companies can do with your information. Um, and that would give you the right in an easy way through the Internet or whatever uh, artificial intelligence or source or uh, Internet source that you used would give you the right to say, no, don't collect my information. Right. Um, and that that's what was coming. Now that COVID, we have this COVID and the, the uh, track and trace was successful in Asia. It's leaving some questions. Right. And so there's a pro side and there's those against it. The other thing is that there's a standing law that are HIPAA security. Right. And so we got all of these things played out uh, at the federal level and we have to see how this goes. And this is not going to be decided in this year, but it will be decided in the next couple of years going forward. How much privacy you have with your health information, which will also impact other areas of privacy, right? Standards. All right. So let's talk about the pro the pros for tracking. Uh, the pros of tracking um, are Apple and Google mainly. Those those are the companies that really want to be able to enable Bluetooth chips and their smartphones to be used for contact tracing, tracing right now. So similarly to how they already track and use location within the store. So they already have this technology within the store, but there, there are limits on it right now. They can only track your buying habits. But now now this other this other way, they want to open it up to track your behavioral habits in terms of how you move, your movements throughout the day. And so that's different, right? Um, I don't know how you feel about that. It's, you know, one, one level is tracking your behavioral uh, habits in terms of shopping, and now it's your behavioral habits in terms of how you move throughout your day. The those who are against who are against tracking, California being one of them, uh, California has something called the Consumer Privacy Act, and it gives consumers the right to block the collection and sharing of personal data. That is in play. That is in play. So I don't know how that's ending up. I don't know how that's going up against COVID right now, but that is in play. That's not something that that's being operated uh, or, or being. Not, not operated, but um, it's not something that is uh, uh, pending. It is actually being implemented now. I don't know how that's playing out because that's a state uh, law. And so how does that play out with federal, right, in, the, in that battle in terms of COVID? Okay, and then so there's the general data protection. So the European Union has this, uh, a policy called the general data protection, and it gives consumers the right to block the collection and sharing of data. So this is in the European Union. And so this is not a, a, a U.S. thing. This is a global concern about data mining of our information. Okay. Um, one of the things that we've been struggling with in New York City is that we've getting we've been getting these random phone calls from um, from uh, uh, Asian countries uh, asking us to contact them through uh, you know about some sort of banking or some sort of loan or something. But it's a scam, right? It's 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 spam. It's scam. You know. Uh, and it's been it's been harassing and, and targeting to our phones, right? And so we get these numbers that look like uh, regular local numbers, like with a seven one eight or or five one six or six two nine or nine two nine or or two one two, and those numbers are not real numbers. Those numbers actually go to some sort of um, 
some sort of bot or some sort of app that is uh, data mining to get people to engage this call so that they can find a way to get money from you in an illegal manner. All right. And that's been a real big problem in uh, New York. And so they've, they've come up with something called SHIELD. And SHIELD uh, stands for Stop Hacks and Improve Electronic Data Security. Uh, that's something that's on, in New York State. And so that's pretty a pretty new policy that they're trying to implement to try to get a hold of this this um, this targeting of our cell phones. It's funny because I've, I've been called, I continue to get called. Matter of fact, I was called two days ago by one of those scams. And when I call, if you call the number back, because if you don't pick up, it looks like a regular number. So if you call the number back and say, hey, you called me, it connects to someone else's real phone. And so that person says, I didn't call you. Well, you did call me. Your number's on my phone. No, I didn't call you. So somehow they, they're able to lift other people's numbers and then run the scam through that number. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's go to let's go to let's go to number five. Post COVID. So it looks like hopefully we're coming out of COVID. Hopefully. Um, and there's a lot of conversations that have to happen around privacy standards. And as we know, based on COVID, although we have HIPAA laws, there's a nat there's a lack of national consumer policy uh, framework. In other words, there's no federal um, protections for individuals right now in, in a pandemic, right? In terms of what's what's private and what's public, all right? And what can um, companies have access to during this time? So companies like Walmart and Target have all aligned themselves with the president, right? And in aligning themselves with the president, they have access to your information, to your health information. Um, and, you know, this is without your ability to say yes or no to that. Um, and we know that, you know, companies are about making money, right? And so based on the trends and the habits that are, that are happening with people, they tend to target um, products to the needs of that. And some of those products are not, the, the cure-alls, but just um, uh, uh, items that we just uh, begin to depend on, and it begins a lot. It becomes a long dollar for these companies, right? Um, so they want to implement the track and trace, which is going to provide more information than the spread of COVID, right? Um, this is this is it's it's shown to be beneficial in Asia, um, and. So within America, they're saying that we need to create guardrail policies. We know what a guardrail is. If you're on the highway, you have a guardrail that keeps the car on the road. All right. Um, and they, they're they saying that, listen, we're gonna, we want to allow tracking and tracing, but we want to create guardrails or, or, or protections to keep people's information uh, going in the right direction and for the right purposes. Now, I don't know how you do that in a, in a world of Internet. Right. Um, so then we talk about privacy invasion tracking. The European Union is taking a little back step and they're saying, now, listen, we want to we, we want to allow invasive tracking methods while still respecting the rights set out in the general protection regulation. So we want to allow it to happen and we want to have access to it if we need it. But we also want to protect the rights of the people that we're um, data mining from. Uh, so I don't know how that's going to work out. It sounds very complicated. It sounds actually as a, you know, opposites of its intentions, but we shall see how that works out. Um, I want to go back. I want to go back to to something. And I want to make sure you understand um, this this uh, federal law um, within the United States. 
So HIPAA, which stands for the the uh, Health and Security Portability and Accountability Act of 1996. And that's that's interesting because 1996, uh, you know, Internet was coming out of the gate. It was still fairly new for many people. Um, you know, smartphones, you know, it's fairly uh, new and um, a primitive in terms of what it looks like now versus then it was very different, right? We, we're just coming out of pages and things like that, right? And so the this act, so they actually knew, for, they had foresight that uh, uh, this internet was going to grow, right? And so they created electronic health records. And I, I don't know if you're aware, but doctors enter most of your records, most um, progressive doctors enter most of your records online. You have the right to have those records. You can, in fact, you can go through your laptop and you can uh, lift those records, right? You're supposed to have rights to those records. So just know that. And a lot of people don't know that. Uh, you also have the right to control how and when it's shared, right? You have the right to be where to be contacted. So if you don't want to be contacted in your own home because you don't want to let your spouse know that you have count, uh, cancer or you don't want your you don't want them to contact your job to to create some sort of a hysteria around you know uh, some sort of illness you're having. You can say, listen, I don't want you to contact me. I want you to contact me at a post office box five six nine at this address, and you have every right to do that. Um, and you have to you have the right to review again your medical records online, and you have the right to request them. Uh, from your metal, medical provider. It may be at cost depending on what they have to do to get it to you. Uh, it can be anything from an email and certain things they will email you. Um, it could be something through mail. It could be online or it could be a thumb drive where they download all of your medical records on a thumb drive and you can have a portable uh, file that you can take from doctor to doctor, especially if you're moving from, from New York to California. Online on YouTube, they have videos on your rights on HIPAA. There are three videos that you probably should watch which will give you some real insight in terms of your uh, protections around this, this issue of healthcare privacy. You can also, through HIPAA, a lot of people don't notice, you know you have your smartphone and it, it captures your heart rate and, and, and all of the things that, that is happening with your body. You can connect your medical records to that app and then the app will regulate itself based on what your needs are. So if, say it's like, a, you know, you have a high sugar or you have, um, you're not burning enough calories because you have some sort of lymph node issue. It, whatever it is, the app can adjust to your medical records, but you then you have to release your medical records to a third-party provider, which could be a little risky. Once you do that, they have no fault in if your medical records gets lost or shared through the internet. All right, so be careful. And lastly, how much privacy should we have? How long will authorities be able to hang on to personal information? And whether people will be still able to demand the erasure of their data after the crisis ends? It's safe to say more surveillance, and this is the author's take, it's safe to say more surveillance, not less, will be the new normal in a forever changed world. Again, how do we know when they collect our information, is there a time that they can host that information before they have to eliminate that information. And how do we know it was eliminated? How do we demand the erasure of information? How do we know that one day you go on the internet and somebody wants to know something about your health, 
your your health that they can just Google you and they can find your health. They can find your profile, your health profile that can be manipulated into businesses, right? And so how do we protect that? How much privacy do we need? I'll give you all some, some reasons today. Those for it and those against it based around this COVID pandemic, what's necessary and what's unnecessary. Thanks for listening to Pushing Boundaries. Once again, my name is Sharif Rucker. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor by commenting, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with everyone you know. All of these things are free and take very little effort, but would mean the world to me. Thanks again and stay tuned.